Ever wonder which educational activity will bring you and your family the most enduring and impactful results? Reading aloud to our children can bless them beyond measure, now and throughout their lives. Today's guest, Maureen Whitman, has spoken and written extensively on the topic of the power of read-alouds. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. I'm your host, Lisa Maladnik, and today we're delving into the power of read-alouds with one of my favorite people, Maureen Whitman. Maureen is a wife, mother of seven, and grandmother of seven, and counting. She is also co-editor and contributing author of A Catholic Homeschool Treasury, The Catholic Homeschool Companion, and Why Should I Learn This? She is the sole author of For the Love of Literature. Maureen, along with Walter Crawford, is co-founder and co-director of homeschoolconnections.com. She is grateful for all the homeschool parents who helped her over the years as she works to give back to the community through Homeschool Connections. Maureen's fondest memories of raising her children often include the books they shared together as a family. Even the time they ran out of gas and found themselves stranded in the middle of Michigan's Upper Peninsula because they were so engaged in listening to Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> that made me laugh, Maureen, because I've done that. We, my daughter and I were listening to an audio book on, on a trip that should have been eight hours that ended up being 10 hours because I got so lost. <laughs> Welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I have to tell you, <laughs> it's so funny that you brought that up because I texted my kids right before we start and like, quick, tell me your favorite memories of read alouds and your favorite books as a child. And my daughter, Mary, texted, oh my goodness, that time we were driving through Canada in the Upper Peninsula and we ran out of gas reading Little House. <laughs> I didn't know you ran out of gas. That's hilarious. <laughs> and that's one of her happy memories. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's funny. My, we, we were about 10, 20 miles from the nearest gas station. So my husband got out and started hitchhiking and kids and I spent the next hour praying, you know, dear Lord, please don't let, you know, an axe murderer pick up daddy. So. <laughs> Apparently your imagination were really highly active after all that. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, when this topic of read alouds comes up, there is a certain segment of parents that will go, oh, no, 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 that's not for me. Um, sometimes it just feels awkward to them or maybe they weren't read aloud to or they don't quite get like, what is, what is it going to give back to us? What encouragement can you offer them as far as what, what is going to happen there between you and your child with a read-aloud? <laughs> well, you know, and, that's, and that is a thing. I hear that a lot when I talk about this at conferences. It's not everyone is comfortable reading out loud, right? Because they're worried about, I'm not good at it. I can't do voices. <laughs> you know, all those little things. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Your kids love you. They love being with you. You know, when they're still little, they still like you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's special time with mom and dad. And if you have the most dull monotone voice, they don't care, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, have some fun. You know, once you get used to it and you get more comfortable with it, try out voices and try out some techniques. But for the most part, just delve into it. And, you know, part of it may be just finding the right books, books that roll off the tongue more easily, books that rhyme, starting out with simple picture books. You can do it. I encourage you to just give it a try. 
and, and don't worry about technique. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if you start, like you said, start off with a little rhyme book with the little kids, you can, simply cannot fail. If you're cuddling with a, a little kid and reading a nursery rhyme, they're enjoying the pictures. They're thoroughly enjoying being in your arms. Right. But also, can they just start small? Like even if they, you have older kids, could we just do bite-sized read-alouds? I was, I was babysitting last night for the grandkids, you know, and my little 18-month-old granddaughter went and got you know, a picture, a Sandra Boynton picture book for me to read. Oh, I love those. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love her. So <laughs> it rolls right off the tongue, right? That's one that's easy. Uh, my grandson brought me how to build, or if I could build a house, you know, and if I could build a car, those are really good picture books. They have engaging pictures, lots of rhyming words. It, it reads really well and really easy. So yeah, you could start small, build up. And you know what? Don't ever stop. Keep reading aloud when they're adolescents and they're teenagers. Get them reading out loud to you. If you have a large family like me, then you have the older kids read to the younger kids. You know, it's like that trip up north where we ran out of gas. You know, we <laughs> we had a, a day where it just rained like crazy. So we had a little pop-up camper and we spent oh, the day in the camper playing board games and reading out loud to one another, even though I had teenagers. You can't start too early the day they're born and don't ever stop. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like there's lots of little transitional things that can happen. Like like, like you were saying, the teens and the, or the young adults can be reading little picture books and things to the young ones. But when the family sort of bears witness to the love of books together, that seems like not only emotionally bonding, and I know you have some great stories about that, um, but it also is just this witness that, yeah, books matter. Right. Emotions are contagious, Lisa. I mean, <laughs> fr my friends hear me say that probably way too much, but <laughs> they are. And if you're excited about reading, so your kids will be too, you know, excitement, joy, all those things are contagious. So find the joy in it and your kids will too. What are some benefits to them and to your relationship as far as sharing those emotional moments? So I always tell the story of my daughter, Mary, when we read Little Princess together. And anyone who's read stories like that with their kids, railway children, little women, right? Those Kleenex stories um, <laughs> will have experiences too, you know? And you know, there's a scene in Little, little Princess when little Sarah Crew realizes, you know, finds out her father is dead. And she's in bed and she's crying. My papa is dead. My papa is dead. Oh my God, I'm going to start crying now. <laughs> Mary and I are just washed in tears, right? She's six years old. The two of us are crying together. We're sharing emotions. And, you know, the teenage years are, aren't always perfect. <laughs> but, you know what? I think it really helped our relationship as she grew into an adolescent, as she grew into a young woman to continue to share those kinds of emotions, to share things we're joyful about, but also the things that we are concerned about or sad about. So I think it does create emotional bonds in, amongst family members, definitely. Absolutely. Have you had any moments like that where you've noticed that there, there was um, permission for your sons to, to be more emotionally transparent as a result of a story? I think so. I mean, the boy, my boys at least are not as emotional as us girls, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, and, and I remember a few moments when, you know, they would get a little teary eyed and 
you know, try to man up and <laughs> step away for a minute to find a Kleenex. But yeah, I think it did help them be a little more open with their emotions and be, and, you know, I was just reading a study uh, in Reader's Digest about people who read fiction are more empathetic. There's something about reading fiction that makes people more open and kind to other people. And, you know, I would say my young men are empathetic, kind young men. And, and there are a lot of reasons for that, of course. But I'm sure that reading aloud together eh, probably helped. And they continue to be readers as adults. So Finding the joy together can really ignite a lifelong passion, can't it? It can. You know, we do what's enjoyable, right? We eat food that's enjoyable. We listen to music that's enjoyable. So free read books to our children that are enjoyable. And if, and if we create environments, they're enjoyable as we're reading aloud. Of course, when they become adults, sitting down with a book is going to bring back all those good feelings. You know, um, my oldest son is severely dyslexic. So, you know, learning to read was really hard for him. You know, he was 10 before he took off. Uh, but being dyslexic, I had to read everything to him, right? <laughs> and if he was going to success, be successful in our home school, he's an avid reader now as a 30-year-old man. That's fabulous. Even though it takes him as a dyslexic person longer to read, he's, he reads well, it just takes longer. He still has a love for it. And I really think part of it is that it was an enjoyable pleasant experience. It was cuddling on the couch with your mom when you're six years old, you know, sharing time with your family, letting him pick out books. You know, when I sent that text this morning, his he came back yet. My favorite book was reading The Hobbit, you know, listening to The Hobbit on audio while I did snap circuits, you know, while I was doing science experiments. Oh, nice. So that's a fun memory. And I, I bet he's read The Hobbit probably six times. That's a wonderful book to read aloud. I've read that myself in the armchair, and I've read it aloud to my daughter. I just sent it to a friend who was getting out of the hospital after a really rough stretch, and she'd never read it before. I sent her an illustrated Hobbit. This is a woman in her 50s. She could not put it down, and it really lifted her spirits. It gave her the sense of life being an adventure and, and you know, God's providence and everything else. It was just some of these books are just gems. What are your favorite read-alouds? Which ones are the most conducive to reading aloud that you find or some of your personal favorites? I know the list is endless, right? I mean, there are the classics. There's Narnia, of course. I mean, everyone has to read Narnia. The beauty of Narnia is that you can read it at so many levels. So I read it like every two years to my kids because I wanted to read it to every one of my children. I wanted it to be special to them. So I read it seven times. <laughs> but what does a six-year-old hear? It's a cute story about a lion mm -hmm. <laughs> and his friends. <laughs> right. But when they're 12, they start to get the underlying meaning. And then when they read it as a 16-year-old, you know, or me reading it as a mother, you understand it at different levels. You know, when I led the t a teen group, I used to lead the teen reading group for like 15 years. In one year, they went to do a whole year of Lewis. And yeah, I always let the awesome teens... that that's yeah. what they wanted. Right. We could do a whole thing on, on the teen reading group because... But the most important thing was letting them choose the books. Uh, I had veto power, but they always chose the books. So they're the ones who said, let's do a whole year of Lewis. 
So we did uh, The Last Battle from Chronicles of Narnia. So these are upper-level high school students, and they want to read Narnia. And The Last Battle is so profound. It's one of my favorite books. So Narnia, classic, reads well. It flows off the tongue well. I mean, I, like I told you yesterday, I just imagine C.S. Lewis reading aloud as he's typing because it did just flow off the tongue so well, you know? Um, you know, of course, Little House on the Prairie, um, Little Women, Lord of the Rings, we did on audio. I had a hard time reading Lord of the Rings aloud. That's very complex. You've got all the elven and a lot of other strange kind of and know, I don't verbal well. gymnastics. <laughs> Yes, all those little songs. Oh, yes, the songs. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> no, that's great. So, um, so you listen to that on audio. So you've got professionals reading aloud to your family. That's a great option. Audiobooks are not cheating people. You can do audio. <laughs> uh-huh. And was that what you were doing in the car when you got lost? We were. We were listening to, we're, I don't know, Mary in her text said that I was reading it aloud. I thought it was audio. I must, maybe I was reading it aloud. It was so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we always pick special books when we did road trips. So, you know, like when we did the circle tour of, um, of Lake Superior, we did, what was it? It's a Bethlehem book, Madeline in Command. I think that was the one because it takes place in that same region. You know, we would always pick special books. We would go on these long road trips and audio books are great for car schooling right? I mean, I always say we're in the car as much as we are at home. We should call it car schooling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that expression here yeah. on Long Island too. We call it all the time. <laughs> right. So yeah, we live out in the middle of the nowhere. So, you know, if we want to go into Lansing, it's a 45 hour, you know, one hour drive. So we did a lot of car schooling. <laughs> so audiobooks are not cheating. I have a son who is a listener rather than a reader. He's not a, he doesn't like to read books a lot, but he you know, he has to drive into Detroit to work every day and loves listening to audiobooks when he does that. Yeah, some of my friends who are the most prolific readers are absolutely love audiobooks. And they're well informed and they read things that are important to them professionally and they also read great fiction. It's just such a great opportunity to love books in a busy life. It is. It is. And as I get older, my eyes get worse. <laughs> <laughs> I do find myself listening to more audiobooks, especially when I travel. If I'm going to conferences or I just got back from a trip to Fatima, you know, it's eight hour flight. You know, I get a whole book, maybe even two books in <laughs> on that flight. <laughs> oh boy, that's such a great opportunity. What about dads? When, when does it make a difference when dads jump in and start reading aloud to the kids? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Dad, feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> you are the number one most important person in, in, um, in raising a reader. So studies show us that the number one most important factor in raising a reader is being read aloud to, right? But studies also show us that if dad's the one reading, especially with boys, Huge, huge difference. Very significant difference. Studies also show us that if dad is seen reading, so you see dad reading newspapers, magazines, books, whatever, that's also helpful. So, you know, I really encourage dads, 15 minutes a day, 
sit down and read out loud to your kids. Just even if it's 10 minutes, just do it every day and you will change your child's life for the better. You know, studies also show us for reading to kids and to adolescents, they have much, much higher standardized test scores, especially in the area of vocabulary and comprehension. So, wow, that's fabulous. Yep. Yep. So reading out loud to your kids at all, they're going to be, do better in language arts. They're going to have an easier time learning grammar, writing, because when they hear it, right, they hear good language, grammar and writing come naturally, right? Right. They're, they're absorbing it. It becomes a part of them. Right. And, and your listening levels do not meet up to your reading levels till eighth grade. So while I can hear big words and understand them, I can't read them. Jim Trelease uses the example of, oh, what was, I think, enormous, something like that. So, I, you know, a child can't read the word enormous. So if he's reading a book to himself and he get, comes to that word and he doesn't understand that word because he can't read it, it's going to be uncomfortable and frustrating to him. But if he hears it as you're reading out loud... He can put it into the context of the story. He can ask mom, stop, tell me what that word is. It's a much more enjoyable experience, and he's going to understand that vocabulary. So, so many benefits to reading out loud to your kids. Yeah, a couple of things occurred to me as you were talking, and one is that um, we know from studies that like 85% of our person-to-person communication is nonverbal, that the meaning of words in the context of human expression is much, much greater. If You know, I always tell my kids uh, in classes that if I say to you, boy, what a day I've had, but without any expression, it doesn't mean much. <laughs> but if I say, boy, what a day I've had, or oh, boy, what a day I've had, you're getting a lot more meaning. Right, so right. The, the reading aloud then is imbued with the humanity of the person reading aloud. Just exactly so sacred. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and it gives you the opportunity to talk about all kinds of things with your child, right? So if if you're if there's a moral dilemma in the story, you can stop and say, "Oh my, how would you have handled that?" You know, or what do you think about that character and what he did? There's so many opportunities for discussion, right? Yeah. I remember um, when my daughter was little, we would stop and I would say, oh, what do you think is going to happen next? <laughs> and I didn't even know I was doing an educational thing. My mother, who's a t- who was a teacher, overheard me doing that and said, do you know that you're actually doing a thing, an educational thing, <laughs> helping her to sort of leap forward and start to make connections and, and evaluate the story? And I was like, oh, really? I was just like having fun being in the mystery of the moment, you know? But isn't it funny how that can naturally happen, where the parent and the child together are doing wonderful educational things whether they know it or not right I mean just having a conversation right with our children is so important so I have a daughter who had to have speech therapy and it's a hereditary thing when I was little I had to have speech therapy you couldn't understand a word I said and so (laughs) this child had the same speech impediment and when I went to have her tested I learned that um, speech issues are on the rise because parents don't talk to their children (sighs) You know, so when she was tested, she tested off the charts for reading comprehension, vocabulary. They were like, can't understand a word she says, but boy, can she understand you. Do you read out loud to her? They knew. They knew that I read out loud to her because they, they, 
the therapist told me I've never seen a child with vocabulary that high who was not read out loud to. Oh, beautiful. You know, so, but not just that, but sharing the stories together, having conversations together, just talking, you know, as a family and building those bonds. So when they do get to be adolescents and teenagers and adults, we continue to have those kinds of discussions. Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to also reflect back to something else you said about how important dads are. I guess I just wanted to say that we're in a culture because it denigrates fathers that dads may unconsciously in a sense, step out and get out of the way and let mom do all the schooling and the interacting with the kids. I think they're enculturated to feel like, well, I'm the breadwinner. That's kind of my role. Now, among uh, families that practice Catholicism and other forms of Christianity, the father may well be a more respected figure and more of a leader in the home. But it's important for us all to recognize that we are influenced by our culture and that Getting dad in there is critical, and, and we really need to fight for that and encourage dad and support him and make room in our lives for dad to play a role. We do. And, you know, I know dads who are, who are homeschooling dads who take the, the main role in, in homeschooling, but in, um, you know, in a homeschool where mom takes the lead role and she's a homeschooler, this is one way to get dad involved. You know, dad, when he comes home, you know, you have dinner room com- or dinner table conversation. Uh, ask what you learned today. You can um, support mom in any discipline issues, you know, but always being a positive force. And this is one way for dads to really make a huge, huge impact, you know, with little time commitment, but still very powerful. And yeah, we need to recognize how important dads are and not denigrate them and not make them out to be you know, not as important as the mom because they are. So, such a strange culture we have. We have this opportunity with our kids to just to say no to all that. Um, and well, to, and to raise our to- young men to be great fathers, right? If we denigrate our husbands, we can't expect our sons to grow up to be good fathers. We need to build them up, you know, and this is one way we can do that. So what's the urgency right now in our times with getting this message of read-alouds out to families generally, even beyond the homeschooling community? Yeah, you know, I just read a study in uh, Washington Post. I just read it. I think it was posted a year or two ago, though, where we were seeing a really sharp, sharp decline in people who read for enjoyment. Uh, 22% of women read aloud for enjoyment, or not read aloud, but read for enjoyment after college or high school. 15% of men. So only 15% of men are reading for enjoyment. So if you're reading out loud to your kids, you can go against that tide. And and don't let your kid be one of those 85% who do not read. You know, just like the other study we talked about, you're more empathetic if you read fiction. So there are a lot of good benefits that come out of that as an adult. And it just breaks my heart when I read those kinds of statistics. Yeah, let's do something about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, we definitely can. So um, right now, I'm sure lots of people listening are thinking, well, where can we find great reading lists? What would be some places to start? Well, 
I love reading lists almost as much as I love books. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want, we can put some in the show notes. I have tons at the Homeschool Connections blog of reading lists. Uh, our most popular blog post ever. Uh, I did a reading list for six to 12-year-old boys because that's the big question when I go to conferences, right? Or every time I write an article, can you give me a, a reading list for my boys? So we had over 100,000 people download that reading list. So um, I will put, I will give you a link. You can put that in the show note for reading lists. I, there are tons. We have a family reading list that our Homeschool Connections parents put together, reading lists for girls, reading lists for teens, just, just tons out there. Isn't it good to know that when we put our heads together, we can really come up with an abundance of options that, you know, this kid might like sci-fi and that one might like a swashbuckling adventure and that one might, <laughs> right. you know, want to read about fairies, but there's something out there for all of them. Any particular authors that you love for read alouds? Gosh, just, just so a few of your favorites. I don't want to make Besides, <laughs> remember every book besides C.S. Lewis. Uh, yeah. Sure, you know, well, E. Nesbitt was a big favorite of my kids. So uh, The Enchanted Castle, Railway Children, uh, Five Children and It. There was We just re-listened to Five Children and It. So that's, yeah, we're, we're adults now. We listen to that. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I love those. I love the kids' books. I still, I still go back and listen. Well, it's like you said, the really good ones are are really layered stories that you can experience very differently at different ages. Well, C.S. Lewis wrote um, a story or a child story that can only be enjoyed by children is not a good children's story in the slightest. So if it can't be enjoyed by adults, it's not good for kids either. So, and you know, and one of his favorite authors was George MacDonald. So, um, the Princess and the Goblin, The Princess and Curdy. Again, that's one that our teens read. My teen group chose uh, Princess and the Goblin. So good. So good. Yeah. So, you know, Winnie the Pooh books, if you want to go for the younger kids, those were fun. Uh, Madeline. So I was babysitting last night and uh, my little granddaughter told me, oh, this was my mommy's favorite book when she was a little girl. And she pulled out Madeline. Wonderful. Yeah, so what are just um, when we're if we're encountering a book, say we we just have a particular book and it may not be on somebody's list, but what are some elements that we look for in a story that's worth sharing with our children? Like what are the themes or the truths that, that are embedded in the really truly kind of classic stories that really bless our families? Well, you know, you need to be able to understand it at different levels. So Narnia is a good example of that, of course. Um Look for humor. Everyone loves a funny story. So, you know, Peter Pan, Cheaper by the Dozen, um, All Creatures Great and Small. You know, there's some good humorous stories out there. Um, stories that reflect the good, the true, and the beautiful. So, for example, Tolkien. Um, you know, a good story has redemption in it. You know, when you get to the end, it reflects you know, the story of, of, of Christ's life, it reflects natural law. It reflects um, our desire for redemption. So, you know, it should have a happy ending. Um, and if not happy, re redeeming. You know, it has to have some kind of redeeming quality. Books that go to, you know, our child at heart, right? We, we're all children at heart. So think about, you know, if you read out loud, Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew, 
you know, those aren't great literature, but you know what? They are so fun to read. I just had a blast reading those to my kids, you know, the Hardy Boys chasing the criminals and Nancy Drew getting to the bottom of the mystery. You know, those were great, enjoyable reads. Uh, You do need to be wary of adult subject matter, especially a lot of modern books, anything, you know, a lot of modern young adult, uh, that genre you know, there may be topics that are not appropriate for young children. So you need to be careful there. But on the other hand, don't be restricted by a publisher's guidelines, you know, based on vocabulary. Don't be afraid to use books that have high vocabulary, like Tolkien. Kids will rise up to the level and and learn the vocabulary. They'll enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably have less fear of the bigger words if they enjoyed them in the context of a story. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and maybe even be intrigued to know them. Like you said, they might say, what does that mean, mommy? Um, Yeah. Oh, gosh, you know, I'd really feel like there's so many aspects to this that you've extensively written and spoken on, Maureen. I'd really like to do a series on this where we delve more deeply into... Um, some of the different aspects of how to do read-alouds well and maybe uh, the teen, you know, sort of the teen group that you ran and what you learned from that and what kinds of things are good for teens. Maybe we can do a series for next season of at least two, maybe three uh, episodes where we can just really get down to nuts and bolts and, and do some more teaching on this. Would you like to do I love that? it. I'm totally up for it. That's fantastic. Really? I can talk about this all day, Lisa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. It's awesome. I'm a book fanatic. Um, any closing thoughts before we wrap up for today? You know, I would just say one thing to remember is that Jesus taught us through story, right? Through parables. Story is important. You know, Jesus didn't just tell us, be kind to one another. He told us the story of the Good Samaritan. He didn't just tell us, go out and share the good news. He told us the parable of the lamp under the basket, right? You know, he didn't just tell us, if you lose faith, I'm still going to be watching over you and I'll rejoice when you come back. No, he told us the story of the lost sheep. So, you know, I would just like to close with, remember, story is important. Be like Jesus. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. That's such a great note to to end on and to contemplate and take into prayer, especially if we're, we weren't read aloud ourselves and we're, we're thinking about, you know what, I might just take this risk and start something new in my own family. Thank you so much, Maureen. And I know that we can find you at Homeschool Connections. We can also find you at your website, MaureenWhitman.com. And Whitman is W-I-T-T-M-A-N-N. MaureenWhitman.com. Is there anywhere else that people can find you that you'd like? Oh, yeah. Well, the website is a little old. (laughs) (laughs) They'll find me there, but I haven't looked at it in a few years. And they can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, everywhere. You know, yeah, you're pretty easy to find. I'm easy to find. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Thanks be to God. You're such a blessing to the homeschool community, Maureen. Thanks so much. And thank you, everyone, for being with us. And please stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, I'm AJ Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings, a place where I get to share with you some of my favorite books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today, I'd like to introduce to you Eight Notes to a Nobody, a novel by Catholic author Cynthia Tony. 
13-year-old Wendy has a lot going on in her life. She's quiet and artistic, but usually lets her own talents take a second seat behind her ballerina of a best friend, Jennifer. At school, Wendy may not care that much that she's not popular, but she does care when a brainiac named John bullies her by calling her bird face because of her beak-like nose. And she does wonder who's been leaving yellow sticky notes for her all over the place. Add to that preparations for a spring arts program, caring for a bunch of abandoned puppies, and trying out for the school track team, and Wendy has her hands full as she makes the transition from eighth grade to high school. I found this to be a very sweet and often humorous look at growing up in the face of bullying and trying to figure out what constitutes a good and valid friendship. Wendy struggles with lots of issues that middle school students typically do, and author Cynthia Tony tackles these issues in a realistic yet funny way. For example, Wendy has a classmate named Tuki, who was very popular, and Wendy refers to her and her group of friends as Tuki and the Sticks, which I'm pretty sure needs to be the name of a band who plays 80s music. Throughout the story, we get a few glimpses into how Wendy's Catholic faith guides her through the murky waters of early adolescence. One moment I found particularly humorous was when Wendy is helping her mom with some laundry, and she accidentally gets a towel snagged on a glass parrot her mom had rescued during a roadside scavenger hunt. Wendy nearly swears in reaction, but then she stops herself because she remembers that she promised Father Gerard at her last confession not to cuss. Eight Notes to a Nobody by Cynthia Tony has been awarded the Catholic Writers Guild seal of approval and has been followed up with several sequels, including 10 Steps to Girlfriend Status and Six Dates to Disaster. To see more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. There you can also learn more about my own books for young readers, including my YA novel, Angelhood, and my middle grade novel, Seven Riddles to Nowhere. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Be sure to find me online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on my website, ajcatapan.com. Until next time, happy reading. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.